Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, March 27th, 2022. Well, back in 2017, when traveling, you know, was still a thing, I had the chance to go to Israel, where I spent 12 days touring the Holy Land. And one of the many indelible memories that I have from that trip is standing on the Mount of Olives and looking across the Kidron Valley at Jerusalem and tracing Jesus's journey to the cross from the area where the upper room is believed to have been back out to Gethsemane, which was near where I was standing at the time where Jesus prayed and was arrested, and then back across to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where Jesus was interrogated by the religious leaders, and then to the governor's palace, and then finally through the streets and out of the city gate to Golgotha. And what was so remarkable about it, it was seeing how compact the city is and how close in proximity all of these places actually, actually were to one another, especially when you're looking from a distance. But while Jesus' journey to the cross may have been short in terms of distance, as we've been seeing through our Stations of the Cross series, his journey has not been short at all on suffering. And as we have endeavored to be companions with Jesus in that suffering, we've been paying particular attention to the isolation and the loneliness that he experiences as he is progressively and systematically abandoned. Jesus has been unseen and unheard by his disciples. He's been betrayed by Judas. And in the story that Davis led us through last week, he's been denied by Peter, which took place outside while Jesus was being tried by the Jewish religious leaders. And this morning, as we continue to walk with Jesus, we're going to look together at his trial before Pilate. If you have a Bible accessible, either physically or digitally, and you'd like to join me in the scriptures, you can turn or tap your way to John chapter 18, which is our text for this morning. Now, John's account of Jesus's encounter with Pilate is long. It runs from John 18, verse 28, all the way through John chapter 19, verse 16, encompassing a total of 29 verses. And so as we get started, I just want to name that I won't be reading this passage in its entirety this morning. Instead, we're going to focus on certain parts of the narrative, and I'm going to actively resist the temptation to try to say all of the things, because as always, you know, there is so much going on in John's gospel in all of the best ways. But I do want to encourage you to read the narrative in its entirety sometime this week on your own. And so with that, let's take a look together at John chapter 18, beginning at verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone. 
they objected. And so we see there that early in the morning, the Jewish leaders take Jesus to the palace of the Roman governor. And as Pilate comes out to engage with them, we definitely feel the tension between Pilate not wanting to be bothered with all of this and the Jewish religious leaders not having the power and authority to punish Jesus in the way that they wanted, which was by execution. And then look at what John says next in verse 32. He says, This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. And so John very interestingly interrupts the narrative here to remind us, before we go any further, of a very important truth. And that is that all of this was happening just as Jesus said it would. All of this was happening to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. And so, as Jesus is about to come face to face with the ruling power of his day, as he is about to come face to face with the mighty Roman Empire, John wants us to remember that God is in control. And there's a sense, I think, in which this verse is kind of like a first century equivalent of a ratings warning, right? That, that this, is, this is John's way of, of signposting that, that what's ahead for us as readers is, is TVMA for graphic violence, right? It's, it's his way of preparing us that, that what's coming will be tough to witness. But, but despite all of that, God nevertheless is in control. And that's definitely important for us to remember because as we walk with Jesus into the Roman political and legal system this morning, and as we see the injustices that he endures as a result, we're going to see him experiencing a new and painful degree of isolation and loneliness. Well, after all the the back and forthing between Pilate and the religious leaders about who was responsible to deal with the charges against Jesus, the first thing that we see as we walk with Jesus into the Roman system is that Jesus enters the system without status. Jesus enters the system without status. John chapter 18, verse 33, says that Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, the fact that Pilate summons Jesus and begins to interrogate him personally is very telling. And there was no such thing as trial by jury under Roman law. However, there was normally a judge who would interrogate the accuser and the accused and any witnesses and then decide the verdict as well as the penalty if, in fact, the accused person was found guilty. But all of that was for Roman citizens. And Jesus was not a Roman citizen. And so Jesus here doesn't get a judge. He gets Pilate. And not only does Pilate not want this job, as all of the quibbling with the religious leaders pretty clearly demonstrates, 
but he also had almost unlimited authority to deal with things in any way that he saw fit. And so Jesus enters the system here without the status of Roman citizenship, which instantaneously makes him acutely vulnerable. Something else that we see here as Jesus enters the system is that not only is he without status, but he is also wholly unknown. Jesus enters the system wholly unknown. And we see this first in that initial question that Pilate asks as his hello to Jesus in verse 33, which is, are you the king of the Jews? And I think that the way that New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, who, by the way, has the best initials imaginable for a New Testament scholar, N.T., and I think the way that he envisions the beginning of this encounter from Pilate's perspective is both really insightful and really helpful as we try to imagine this scene. He writes, of course, the idea, and and Wright is referring here to the idea of Jesus being a king, right? Of course, the idea is so laughable that Pilate knows what the answer is. He sees before him a poor man from the wrong part of the country. He has a small band of followers, and they've all run away. Of course, he's not the king, but maybe he thinks he is. Maybe he's really deluded. Better ask and find out. And so, as Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Right? There's, there's doubt. There's skepticism. There's indifference. And there's ignorance. And Jesus, as, as he so commonly did, responds to Pilate's question with a question of his own. John 18, 34 says, Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So Jesus reveals in that exchange there that he does, in fact, have a kingdom, but it's not from this world. His kingdom is not from this world in terms of its origin, and it's not from this world in terms of its quality, which is why Jesus' followers didn't fight to prevent his arrest. Jesus' kingdom is of an entirely different nature. But eager to fit Jesus into a familiar category in order to try to bring resolution to this nuisance that has disturbed him in the early hours of the morning, Pilate seizes on Jesus's reference to his kingdom and says in verse 37, you are a king then. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Or, as one commentator paraphrases it to highlight the emphasis, right? King is your word, not mine. You say I am a king, Jesus says. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth 
listens to me. You know, systems are often much better at categorizing people than they are at humanizing people. And by trying to categorize Jesus as a king in the way that, that he understands a king, right, so that he can fit Jesus for a, a, a charge of treason, Pilate is, is definitely missing Jesus the person here. And, and the extent to which Jesus is unknown by Pilate is ultimately seen in the question that Pilate asks next in verse 38. What is truth? Now, in order to see the way that, that Pilate is missing Jesus here, I want us to look again at the words of Jesus that trigger Pilate's question. Jesus says in verse 37, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And notice Jesus's language there. The reason I was born, Jesus says, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. And so Jesus was born. He, he came into the world to be truth, to embody truth. And truth is, is incarnational. It is who Jesus is. Jesus says this directly, by the way, in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's, he is the embodiment of those very things. Jesus is the truth. And that is what he is trying to communicate to Pilate. That he's not a king in the way that Pilate thinks. And he doesn't have a kingdom in the way that Pilate thinks. That Jesus does not fit into those categories. And Pilate's question, what is truth, reveals that he's missed that. Pilate's question, what is truth, reveals that he's missed that. It reveals that Pilate sees truth as a what and not a who. And Pilate doesn't see truth as a person, and therefore he doesn't see Jesus the person. And so Jesus in the midst of this encounter remains unknown and unseen by Pilate, which is an awful place to be. And as the story continues to unfold, on three separate occasions, Pilate explicitly states that he could not find any basis for a charge against Jesus. And yet, he had Jesus flogged, after which the Roman soldiers clothed him in a purple robe, adorned him with a crown of thorns, and mocked him as the king of the Jews. And then he batched him with an insurrectionist named Barabbas, who had taken part, who had taken part in an uprising, right, even though Jesus was, was not an insurrectionist. Before then, finally succumbing to the pressure of the Jewish religious leaders and condemning Jesus to be crucified. And of course, you know, it's hard to miss the, the irony 
in all of that. It's hard to miss the irony in the way that, that Jesus is unseen here because it's so fundamentally different compared to the way that Jesus treated people. And I think about the demon-possessed man in the region of the Gadarenes who had been living in exile in the tombs and, and who had often been chained up hand and foot in order to be subdued. And when he saw Jesus from, from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And Jesus said to him, what is your name? Or the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, who pressed her way through the throng of people who were surrounding Jesus in order just to touch Jesus's cloak. And when Jesus felt the power go out of him, he stopped and asked, who touched me? And Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it until the woman came and fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. And Jesus saw her and he blessed her. Or the man born blind, who the disciples assumed was blind either because he or his parents had sinned. Jesus said it was neither. And he made some mud, rubbed it on the man's eyes, and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man was healed. And after the man was, was summoned twice after his, his healing by the Pharisees, and, and ultimately thrown out because of his testimony, Jesus found him and revealed to him that he was the Son of Man. And that really is the fundamental difference when it comes to Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus always saw the person. He was present with people. And he, and he, he didn't just see, and he wasn't just present, he also entered into their suffering. And that, I think, is very much our invitation as we sit with Jesus's experience with Pilate this morning. Because Jesus's experience here in John chapter 18 poignantly reminds us of the ways that the systems of the world Right? The governmental system, the healthcare system, the legal system, the educational system, the insurance system, the immigration system, and the like, so oftentimes fail to see people. And in failing to see people, cause injustices. And it reminds me of the, of the experience of Kevin, you know, whose story was recently told in the Mountain View Voice who suffered severe injuries in, in a car accident, but was discharged from the hospital for his mother to care for him in their second floor apartment right? with, with no wheelchair, no way to get around in the apartment, and no way to get to any of his follow-up appointments. Or the experiences of students right? whose learning styles and needs are, are missed by the educational system. Or the experience of people who, who, like Jesus in this story, are not citizens and find themselves cast into the various systems wholly unknown. And so as we sit this morning as companions in the embodied experience of Jesus, 
And as we, as we seek to love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, what is God inviting you to feel as you sit with Jesus's experience? As you sit with Jesus's experience this morning, what is God inviting you to feel? Who is he inviting you, perhaps, to see? Who is he inviting you to truly know? Who is he inviting you to love? Would you pray with me? Almighty God, it is humbling and it is painful to be companions with Jesus in the suffering that he experienced on the way to the cross. And it's particularly humbling and painful to be companions with him through this experience with Pilate, where Jesus was so unknown and so unseen. But this encounter, which presents such a stark contrast between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of God that Jesus came to inaugurate. And Holy Spirit, as we sit with Jesus's experience, would you attune us to the ways that the various systems of our world categorize our neighbors and dehumanize our neighbors. And as we seek to animate your kingdom in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these, Holy Spirit, would you enable us in the way of Jesus to see and to know and to love people? And would you give us courage to enter into suffering and to truly be companions with them in Jesus' name? Amen.